This Christmas season for us as a church, we've really just tried to simplify things. And that's been our, our theme uh, this year, is simply Christmas. It's just coming back to the realization that Christmas is, is really about one thing, and it's about God's love. It's about the fact that God loved us so much that he would send his son. And scripture tells us that, uh, that, that God so loved the world that he sent his son so that none would perish, but all that would have everlasting life. And that's a promise that we embrace today, understanding that Jesus came for you and for me, and that we can have life through him. And so this morning, we're continuing, or we're concluding, I'm sorry, uh, this three-week series that we've done, just taking a look at a star, a savior, and a stable. In the last couple weeks, we've looked specifically at the, the sign, the, the symbol that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming, and how so many mi- missed that sign, missed that symbol, missed the fact that Jesus was showing up on the scene. Last week, we, we stepped back to consider what it means to receive a Savior, what it means to allow God to save us uh, from a journey without him. And today we, we want to look at the stable. And you might say, well, it's kind of a weird progression, you know, the, the star and then the Savior and, and, and now the stable. But I think it's important for us as we kind of wind down 2020 and we prepare for 2021, I think it's important that we understand that God's promises um, arrive in different and sometimes unexpected places. You know, we don't often expect to find God's promises in the places they arrive. Sometimes they're looking in all the wrong places. I was, you know, sermon prepping, and I don't know why, but you're all going to think I'm weird, but I, was, I kept having the looking for love in all the wrong places song. It's like going on in my head. Like, sorry, it's, maybe it's a, a weird song to be thinking about when you're, when you're preparing for a, a sermon, but I think all too often we look for God's promises in all the wrong places. It's as almost as if when, when Jesus was, was coming to the earth, it was like this big secret. Like, hey, don't tell anybody. The Messiah is showing up, and, and you know, we don't want anybody to know about it. And that wasn't the case. This was something that so many should have been excited and expectant about. I remember when I was, I was growing up, um, I, there was, in the Clements house, there was four boys. So I have three brothers. I have two older brothers and a younger brother. And it was always a little bit chaotic um, in our home, as you can well imagine. Um, and we drove my parents crazy. But my oldest brother was, uh, is, is, is still several years older than, than I am. Um, and, and my older brother's about four years older than me. So we, it's about six years, four years. And then my younger brother's about a year and a half, two years younger than me. And so um, my oldest brother, Peter, was, was turning 16. We were kind of all preparing for his birthday. And... You know, as, as it was, my parents had, had been trying to find something that they knew he would want. And, and my brother, because he was turning 16, obviously wanted to get the, the manly physique going. And so he wanted, um, naturally, a weight set. You know, he wanted to start throwing, throwing the steel around. Um, and he's not, you know, he's not built like I am with this incredible physique. So... Um, <laughs> But, but in, the, in that case, he was, he was wanting to start taking those steps. And so mom and dad had you know, shopped around and, and had gotten him a weight set. 
And so we were all excited, and I think I was like 10 years old, and, and my younger brother was like, like eight or nine, and, and uh, we were all, you know, waiting for Pete to come home from school. So he comes home from school, and he, he walks on the, d- the door downstairs, and we're all kind of waiting, and we're anticipating, and, and uh, nobody was saying anything. And then my youngest brother, Caleb, pipes up and says, hey, Pete, I can't tell you what you're getting for your birthday, but it's going to make you real strong. And it was like, no, 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 yeah. And I, I think sometimes for us, our, our lives are, are like that, where we are searching for the promises of God, but too often we, 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 we think there's this, this big secretive thing at force. The promises of a Savior, certainly this time of year, were not meant to be a secret. They were not, to, not meant to be covered up and, you know, like, hey, let's, let's protect, protect, the, protect the promise. The promise of a Savior was meant for everyone, for you and for me and for everybody to find life, find a Savior. And so today I want to take a look at our text. We've been in Isaiah chapter 9, simple verse that was the, the pro- prophecy that, that Jesus would come to save us all. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you that you sent your son so that we could have a life, so that we could find peace, so that we could find joy in the midst of chaos. And as many are coming into this place or tuning in online this morning, having gone through a difficult year, Father, we know in the midst of all of that that your promises are still good and are still true. And so we pray that you'd help us today as we look at Scripture and as we hear your voice, that we would respond to your promise, that we would respond to your love, and we would understand that you work all things for our good. God, we love you and we thank you for the time we have together. Pray your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we think about the place that God would choose to fulfill the prophecy of the coming Messiah, we have to ask the question, why a stable? Why why in the world would God see fit in his providence and his power to send the Savior of the world to be born in a stable. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm sure it's perplexed many of you. I think it's perplexed theologians and, and believers for years. But it's interesting when we start to look at the stable. And when we ask why it's such a humble way for the Messiah to enter the earth, it, it, it should cause us to consider a few things. And the first thing is this. The arrival of God's promise often comes to unlikely places. The arrival of God's promise often comes to unlikely places in your life and in mine. Maybe you've been searching for promises. Maybe you've been searching for God's purpose for your life. Maybe you've just been searching for some purpose. And you find yourself struggling. You find yourself worn out. You find yourself frustrated and discouraged. 
You know, while many were expecting a conquering hero to arrive on the scene in Israel, somebody to come and overthrow the Roman government, God sent his son to enter the world humbly in a way that nobody expected, in a place that nobody expected. Reading in Luke chapter 2, starting verse 4, it says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were, they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This verse is interesting because it shows the progression of Mary and Joseph's journey, a difficult journey for sure. But many translations talk about an inn or a more extravagant home. But it's likely that Joseph and Mary would be going back to Bethlehem, the place of his origin, the place of his birth. And they would have been asking relatives for a place to stay. So often we see this, this scene, this, you know, this, this pretty picture of, of them going door to door and knocking on all the doors. And nope, nope, yep, no, we don't have any room, no room, no room. And then they come to this big hotel, you know, or this, you know, this big motel, and they're knocking on the door, and the innkeeper's like, no, you know. But it's more likely um, that they were coming to the home of someone they knew, probably a distant relative, because it would be unlikely for them to take that type of a journey without having some assurance, preparations that could be made for them. So many theologians believe that they were engaging family, and they were asking them for a space, a place to stay. You know, it's interesting as we look at the inn or we look at the, the manger, because in the, in the Greek, when they refer to this place that they went to, they use the word kataluma, which actually means guest room, which in the NIV is the translation they use. But in many other translations, we see something else, an inn or a home. But it actually is, is, is suggesting that they were looking for a guest room. And in those days, the, the houses were built in such a way that they were built up. And so the guest rooms and the places where people would stay were usually on the second floor. We know that when Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples, that that was shared in the upper room. It would be a room above the living space. And this guest room that is referenced is a room, a space that would have been on that living floor of the home. You know, it's interesting, as, as we talk about it, a stable's never actually mentioned by name. We hear about the manger. We don't really hear about the stable. And so there's a lot of misconceptions about what the stable would have looked like. Many think it would have been, you know, a barn out back, you know, or a cave. Uh, there's a lot of theologians who believe that the stable was actually a part of the home. So the living spaces would have been upstairs, and then there would have been some storage space downstairs, and then there would have actually been a space for the animals. So it very likely would have been part of the home, part of the structure different than what we've seen represented. 
But the manger would have been just what it was, a feeding trough. It was a feeding trough for animals, probably lined with hay. And so that was where Jesus was laid. But these grand thoughts of this, you know, glorious little stable, you know, with fresh hay and everything, probably not exactly how it happened. But isn't it interesting that as Joseph and Mary call on family for a place to stay, the only place would be the space with the animals. Because that's not how the Messiah should enter the world, right? You know, perhaps this, this, this Christmas season you've been waiting on the promise of God. Maybe the, this year you've been waiting on a promise. Maybe it's something that you've been praying for for years, or for months, or for weeks. And it just feels like God's not showing up in the time and the place that he should. Maybe you're looking for breakthrough in your life. You, you've been struggling, and you, you're struggling for purpose, and you just need a breakthrough. You just need something to happen. I've been working, I've been working, I've been working, and I just need something to happen to tell me I'm on the right track. Or maybe you're waiting for a relationship. Maybe you're waiting for a relationship to move forward, to take the next steps. Maybe you're looking for breakthrough in your marriage. And you've been praying. Perhaps you're looking for an answer from God on something that you've been pursuing or praying about for years without an answer. Or today you need a healing. You need a touch from the Lord. There's many who have struggled this year with sickness and disease, many who are still struggling. You know, too often we have an expectation of when and where God needs to show up. We have this this idea in our heads that God should show up at this time, in this place, in this manner, and if he could take care of all these things that I've prayed for and petitioned for, that'd be great. We kind of see like, you know, God with a little chef's, chef's hat on, with a little short order cook. Elijah and I were watching Kitchen Nightmares the other night. It was kind of crazy to watch what happens in restaurants. But maybe we see God that way, like, yeah, yeah, I need, I need all these things done. I need them done right now. You know, in our limited understanding of what God is doing in our lives, it's often difficult to wait. It's often hard to be patient. And yet, can you imagine the children, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel? They had been prophesied that this Messiah was coming, and it took 700 years for the promised Messiah. Oh, and then, by the way, when he did show up, he showed up as a baby. Awesome. This is great. What is that guy going to do? Talk about being patient. It's difficult to wait for the promises of God to show up sometimes. I love the, I love the story of Jonah. <laughs> Talk about a guy who just kind of like pinballed all over the place. God shows up. He's like, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he's like, I'm not going to Nineveh. They kill people like me in Nineveh. Or if you watch the VeggieTales version, they slap people with fish in Nineveh. And I'm not going there. I don't like being slapped. And so Jonah goes the opposite direction. He goes to Tarshish, and he, he, he jumps on a boat. You know, we all know the story. He's literally going in the, the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. Storm starts up, and he's like, yeah, it's me. Sorry, guys. I'm the problem. 
They pitch them overboard. Fish or large fish or whale comes up and grabs them and then spews them up onto the beach. And then he ends up going to Nineveh. And what happens? Revival breaks out and thousands of people are saved and they're all repenting. And, and you'd think that Jonah would be excited about God showing up and fulfilling his promise and saving his people. What does he do? He goes up and sits on the hill under the shade and waits for God to show up and nuke Nineveh. We oftentimes are looking for God to show up in different ways than we expect. When God delivers on his promises in seemingly all the wrong ways and places, do we trust he's still in control? When he shows up in the way that you didn't want and does the thing that you weren't asking for, is he still God? Because his promises often come to us in unlikely ways, in unlikely places. The other thing we need to consider is the arrival of God's promise requires a fresh evaluation of our priorities. The arrival of God's promise requires a fresh evaluation of our priorities. We have to change our thinking. Because Jesus' arrival on the scene upended everybody's plans. And when you step into relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what? It oftentimes has a tendency to upend your plans. Because God's ways are not our ways. But let's just take a look at some of these people whose lives were quite literally upended. We find Mary, she's, she's likely planning her wedding. You know, she's got her list out and her little, what magazine do you, I don't, yeah, something bride magazine. She, she, she had her bride magazine out. But she's probably had her list out and she had all of her bridesmaids and they were going and trying on dresses and they were doing all the things that you do as a bride. And, you know, she's making all of her plans and they've got the, the venue all selected and there's awesome lighting you know, there was probably a, little, a big star that was going to hang over the top of it and was going to provide some extra light. But they're excited. They're going to get married, and it's going to be great. She's this young lady who is excitedly waiting for her wedding day. And Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says, And in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. And we all know Mary was like, yeah! Woo! That's exactly what I was wanting, to get pregnant before I get married. Sweet. It's funny because we see this story and we just kind of go, yeah, yeah, it's the Christmas story. But put yourself in Mary's shoes. 
probably not the way she kind of scripted the whole thing out to go. Probably not the way she wanted it to go, for that matter. And yet here we find her in this place where she's being asked to carry the Messiah. She's being asked by an angel, no less, to trust God completely with God's promise. And then there's Joseph. Joseph, we can imagine, was doing what any other man was doing, getting ready for a wedding. He's getting his house together. You know, he's probably working overtime with his carpentry business, selling more wood-made things, stools and tables and, you know, whatever. But he's probably working and working and working and making sure that everything's perfect so that when he takes Mary home to be his wife, it's perfect. Can you imagine what he must have thought when the angel arrived to him? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of the Jesus and Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. It's kind of probably a lot to take on. Like, wait. All right, not only is my wife, who I'm not married to yet, pregnant, but she's pregnant by God, okay? And by the way, the baby that I'm supposed to father is going to save the world. Okay. I mean, honestly, we all just kind of take it like, yeah, that's just what happened. But put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Talking about having your, your priorities and your plans upended. And then there was Herod, obviously, you know, his throne was being threatened and he wanted to kill all the babies and make sure that no king would come to threaten his rule. The Magi, you know, had to come see the child and go home on another route. But in a year where our plans and priorities have literally been turned upside down, where do we find security? Where do we find something we can hang on to? Maybe it's family for you, keeping your loved ones close, hunkering down and making sure everybody's taken care of, and if I can just make sure that my group is okay, we'll be all right. Perhaps for you, it's been the news and social media. That's your security. If that's your security, I'm praying for you right now. Because if there's ever a time where news and social media is like, Seriously, it's now. I don't care if you're a CNN watcher or a Fox News watcher or an MSNBC or a blah, 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 blah. People are losing their minds, and the news is not newsworthy. Maybe your security is in the vaccine that's, that's promised and the science and all the things that have gotten to us, us to the place that we're at right now. That's what you're holding on to. If we can just get a vaccine, we're all going to be okay. 
Or maybe it's just your finances and your investments and the things that you've poured yourself into over the years. Those things are going to sustain me through whatever I go through. I'm here to tell you all these things can be here today and gone tomorrow. God's love is the only thing that is sure. To receive the promises of God, sometimes we've got to refocus what's most important in our lives. Our relationship with Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus should be first and foremost. Our commitment to God. Our decision to walk in obedience to what Scripture tells us. You know, I I find it interesting that uh, even as believers, even as people who call ourselves Christ followers, we tend to think that Scripture only applies when stuff falls apart. Like, pray without ceasing. Yeah, no, I get that, but that only actually means... Like, hey, start praying without ceasing when it starts getting really jacked up. Maybe like if there's a pandemic or something like that. Then we should pray without ceasing. And too often we kind of take Scripture as something that is just relative to your situation. Or relative to what's going on in our lives. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So when it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength, that's what it means. It doesn't mean love the Lord when he's good or when everything's great or when all the things are happening the way that I think they should. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, yeah, but what if you know, their dog takes, takes a you-know-what on my lawn? I don't want it. I I don't want to clean that up. I don't like cleaning up my own dog's doo-doo. I want to clean somebody else's up. Love your neighbors yourself unless they don't, you know, mow the lawn right up to the, you know, to the the property line. We oftentimes want to say, well, yeah. Maybe we need to refocus our love and our service to other people. I'll tell you what, church, if there's ever been a time that it's important to love and serve people. It's right now. People are struggling. People are without hope. People are without peace. People are trying to figure out which end is up. And if there's ever a time we can be the church, we can be Christ, it's right now. And you don't have to go too far out of your way to find ways to love and serve people. So what priority are you hanging on to at the expense of trusting God's plan? What thing is so important to you that you'll set everything else aside and focus on that at the expense of God being able to accomplish his perfect will in your life? Because the arrival of God's promise come in unlikely places and require us to take an evaluation of what's most important to us. The final thought is this. The arrival of God's promise should move us to an attitude of expectation. I don't know what's gone on in 2020 for you. For some, it's been a dumpster fire, and that's all they, they, they can recall. For some, it's, it's, it's been a season of, of, of just heartache and loss. For some of you, maybe it's just been kind of like, well, I've been inconvenienced. I've got to wear this everywhere I go. 
And I was never into accessorizing, but now I have to. God's promises should move us to a place of expectation because they're good. That means that we should be expectant of good things. But our outlook starts with how we, re- how we perceive problems and God's promises. I want to repeat that. Our outlook starts with how we perceive problems and how we perceive God's promises. Do we see problems as an opportunity for God to show up? When something goes wrong, do you go, you know what, God? I I know you can show up in this situation. I know that you can do something big in this. I know that you can take what the devil meant for evil and you can use it for good. Is that our confession? Or is it like, where the heck are you, God? Where, Where are you in this? Because God shows up biggest when things aren't going the way that we planned. God's greatest miracles happen when we least expect them to. Do we see God's promises as something we deserve or have earned? You know what? I've worked hard. I've been reading my Bible. I've I've been praying. I've been doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, all the things that Scripture tells me. And darn it, I deserve God's blessing. I deserve for God to show up and give give me the promises. Or do we understand that God's plans and his promises are perfect and his timing is too? Because the reality is we only deserve one thing. Scripture tells us we deserve separation from God. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short. Every one of us is separated from Father God. And yet, in his providence, in his love, he sent his son so that we could have a way back to him. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus not only came to the earth to live a perfect life, but he came to die a shameful death so that we could have life we could have a way back to Father God. So we have a choice to believe God is love and his plans and promises are for our benefit or not. We choose to be expectant or not. So what are you hoping for and anticipating this year? Maybe as we wind 2020 down and we start to look at 2021, what are, what are you hopeful for? What are you expecting? What are you anticipating? Where do you find yourself searching for God's promise for your life? So often we look for, you know, if this happens, God, then I know you're fulfilling your promise. If this happens, if this job opportunity opens up, if this door opens up, if, if you can bring me a husband, if you can bring me a wife, if you can restore my marriage, if you can do all these things, then I'll know that you are doing what you said you would do. Yet oftentimes those things come out of just being obedient to God. Instead of our focus remaining purely on receiving God's promise, 
perhaps we need to understand what God is doing in the process of receiving his promise. Let me say that again. Instead of our focus remaining solely on God's promise, maybe we need to understand what God is doing in the midst of our receiving his promises. I found this quote, and I thought it was interesting. It's from a guy named George MacDonald. He says, He may delay because it would not be safe to give us at once what we ask. We are not ready for it. To give air we could truly receive would be to destroy the very heart and hope of prayer, to cease to be our Father. The delay itself may work to bring us nearer to our help, to increase the desire, perfect the prayer, and ripen the receptive condition. Maybe, just maybe, God is asking you to be patient because he's preparing you for what you're going to receive. Hopefully it won't take 700 years. But we see all throughout Scripture, God promises, and then there's a waiting period. God promised Abraham that he would have a son and that he would be the father of many nations. And then he had to wait. And then, oh, by the way, God would test his faith once he gave gave him Isaac. But I'd ask you today, who is God desiring you would become as you receive his promises? Who is God desiring you would become as you receive his promises? Because maybe you're just not ready. It's hard to hear. Because we want the blessings of God. We want the good things. We want to walk in relationship with Jesus and know that good things are going to happen in our lives. And yet there's a timing and a purpose for everything. John Ortberg said, Biblically, waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is a part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. Did you hear that? Waiting is not just something we have to do until we get what we want. Waiting is a part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. And I hate waiting. Gretchen and I are in the process of buying a home. We're totally excited to be coming back down to live in Albany. We love this community. And yet we have to wait. There's a waiting period after we've signed the contracts and got under contract with the sellers. And yet I know God's timing is perfect. And I know that waiting period is going to make us appreciate more the promise that God is providing. And as we anticipate what God has in store for us in 2021, where do you find yourself? Are you expectant? Are you just disappointed and discouraged that God has not shown up the way that you had hoped? Because I got news for you. He's got great things in store for you and for me in 2021. He's got a great plan that he is fulfilling, even as we sit here today. And so as we prepare to close this morning and as the worship team comes back, I'd ask you this question. 
What are you believing for? What promise are you waiting on? Because I would contend that God is preparing you to receive it. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, we thank you that you are in the midst of everything, that nothing is outside of your understanding. And we know, God, that as you are fulfilling your promise, that there's a time that we have to be patient and trust you. And while we understand that, it's hard to do. And so, God, this morning as we surrender ourselves to your plan and your purpose, I pray that you give us strength. Pray that we would choose to trust you. This morning, church, as we have our heads bowed, I I would ask you if you'd be willing to do something this morning. Whether you're here at home, here at the campus or sitting at home watching online. Can we do something together signifying our willingness to trust God? Would you be willing to just raise your hands just with open palms Signifying a trust in Jesus that he is who he says he is and his promises are perfect. And no matter what we've faced this past year, giving that posture of, God, I surrender. I'm holding my hands open to signify my surrender of my life, the control and all those things to you. Understanding that you are facilitating your perfect plan. God, as we stand here with this this posture of surrender this morning, I ask, Lord, that you would meet us. God, that you would continue to fulfill your promise, that you would continue to bring the strength that we need to wait and to be patient. God, we choose today to have an uh, attitude of expectation. To change our focus and to, to put our perspective back on you this morning. Knowing that you are good and your promises are, are for us. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every one of these individuals in this place, those tuning in online, those who were not able to be with us this morning, Father, we ask that you would bring strength, you'd bring hope, you'd bring peace, you'd bring joy, you'd bring blessing, you'd bring abundance, you'd bring provision. Father, whatever they have need of, I ask that you would pour out your blessing in a very real way today. And that as we trust you and we walk and patience, trust, Father, that you would fulfill your promises. I thank you, Father, for your goodness and your blessings. Thank you for your love. And this morning, perhaps you find yourself in a place where you've not 
made the decision to follow Christ. You've not made the decision to step into relationship with Jesus. And, and much of this sounds and feels very foreign. You don't know what it means to have peace in the midst of chaos or conflict. I would invite you this morning to say a prayer. It's a simple prayer that is a confession of our need of a Savior. It's a confession of our need of forgiveness. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Christ died and was raised from the dead, that you will be saved. So this morning, if that's you, I don't need a show of hands, just a decision in your heart. But I want to say this prayer together, and it's just a confession of our need of a Savior and our need of forgiveness. So church, can we say this together? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live. He died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life. Change in me the things I can't change. And I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So grateful that we can step into relationship with Jesus, that we can walk with him every day. And it's such a blessing that the true gift that we receive this time of year is a gift of a Savior. I'm hopeful that you are approaching 2021 with great expectation. I'm hoping that you are approaching this new year, understanding that it is just that, a new year. It's one of the things I love about God's understanding that we needed a calendar, that when you've had a hard day, you can know that there's a new day coming. That you have, if you had a tough week that you know on Saturday, you can press the reset button and, and you get a new one. If it's been a hard month, maybe a hard year, I'm telling you what, God has great things in store for you and for me in 2021. It's a matter of where our perspective is. And I choose to believe that God has great things in store for every one of us. I choose to confess the greatness of our God, not the immensity of the struggles that we see in the world. We can acknowledge those things, but we can speak hope and life into the midst of them. And we can believe for breakthrough for us and for the people that we come in contact with, spreading the hope of Jesus Christ wherever we go. That is what it says in Scripture. Go and make disciples of all people, of all nations. It, it doesn't have a little caveat with a little highlight with pastor before it. And, you know, we are all called to share God's love. So this morning as we have spent some time together, I pray that you go out of this place excited, lifted, and knowing that God has great things in store. Let's be believing for great things. Be with us next week. We, we would love to have you with us for service on Sunday and then again in the evening uh, for a week of prayer. 
pray God's blessings on you and your family and those you love. I pray this is a wonderful and restful time for you as you return to work and all the things that you have going on in your lives. But as we go throughout our week, church, let's show the love of God. Let's show the hope of this season. Let's be the kind of people who speak life into situations and speak love. And in everything that we say and do, let's be sure that we are walking in a way that leads people to him and points people to him. This week, have a blessed week, and let's be the neighborhood. God bless you.